What is up? I'm Dr. Socks. And I'm Dr. Jones. And welcome, welcome to another episode of <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think that was my fault. I don't even know. I don't know. Let me think. I don't know. You know what? Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Roll with it. We're not cutting this again. We've already done this twice. Here we go. Welcome to Quarantine's Thanks Podcast Episode 7. (laughs) I'm Dr. Sox for the second time. I'm Dr. Jones for the second time. But hey, welcome. Good to have you. Good to be here. Absolutely. Not get it together. <laughs> the important part is that we are doing it and we're gonna keep it going, man. Yes, yes, man, yes, yes. So why, why do people come in and drop box, bro? I don't know. Um, there have been a lot of things happening in the world, so it is our job to make sure that we um say something, right? I mean, yep. we always talk about this, we have these pre show conversations, and I swear every pre show conversation should be an episode, absolutely. Absolutely. So hey, you you actually get a bit of the pre-show conversation. So thanks for coming for the <laughs> snacks. We guarantee you'll leave with some soul food, brother. There so you go. Heck how yeah. have you been this week? Oh, we got to go in there, buddy. I'm, going. <laughs> I'm doing there. good, man. I'm looking at your jersey like, is this joint on backwards, dog? You look like Nelly. <laughs> oh, no, backwards it's jersey? not. It's, it's, not, it's the front. It's just okay, back I just then, wasn't sure. You know, back then, it, man, shut up. I like it. I like it. No, no, no. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, but I'm good to your question. I told you my line, brother. I already said we like the educated uh, kid in play. Yeah, right. And I got the hat flipped up today for sure. Here we so. go. Here we go. Start the joke. Yeah. But, but to your point, man, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a it's been a productive week. Somehow my Friday ended up kind of slow. So that was nice because I needed that desperately. Um, and then, you know, like yesterday... Like I said, it was a little slow, but it was really productive in some other ways. Uh, but the week, like I told you, the, the, my sense of time is all kind of screwed up, man. Uh, but start a Saturday morning with a new episode. I'm not complaining, bro. How about you? How you doing? Nah, man, I feel you, man. I think uh, definitely uh, I, I'm learning, like, really having to, like, hone in on self-discipline, bro. Like, I'll start the mm. week off strong Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm knocking mm. out a part. Half of Thursday, I'm still there, too. And then by Thursday, Friday, I'm like, whew, man. Uh, I'm not as productive as I want to be. So I'm trying yeah. to figure out ways to, you know, continue to stay as productive Thursday, Friday, yeah. but not missing the need to for self-care and all this. Yeah. So just thinking about, you know, I, I didn't work yeah. out this week. I will be mm. honest to my, my, my folks. I, I didn't see you. I did not yeah. see you. I yeah, was looking bro. for you. I see you was closing all your rings, sir. I'm like, <laughs> but it, it it holds me accountable, bro, and that's why yeah. we. And so you know, accountability partners for those who are you know trying to work out, trying to maintain you know mental health and self care. It, it works, man. We both have Apple watches, and we'll challenge each other. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Thankfully, you ain't challenged me this week, cause boy, <laughs> boy, I would have lost that competition. But uh, yeah, man, seeing your posts on IG. Seeing you, you know, you tell you know, Bing be like, "Hey, lazy bum!" Uh, <laughs> Dennis worked out and completed all his goals today. So, uh, what, what you, you doing? doing? <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna get back to it, brother. I'm gonna get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I'm man. with it. So we talked about sneakers a little bit earlier, and and I'm curious what you got. What you 
what's going on on your end today, man? What's up? All right. So remember, I told you, you know, I think the first and second episode, I brought the KD 11s because whenever I wear like A and T stuff, that's uh-huh. the blue and gold pair of sneakers that I, mm. uh, but I was right, like, right. well, I guess I could throw and go back and get some old relics. I have worn with this jersey at homecoming before. Uh, so, you know, we talk about the fact that, you know, we didn't get the shoes that we wanted when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we yeah, made yeah. promises to ourselves. So, when this yeah. shoe re-released in 2011 for the first time, this was a shoe that I saw in Slam Magazine where it, it just had a photo of it and a, and a call-in number because you could try and dial in to get your sneakers, bro. Wow. And so at this sneaker... Uh, I cut that advertisement out and had it up in my room. It's like a poster with uh, all the other posters I had, like a Vince Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you know, only but goodie the retro, uh, the the first retro, two thousand eleven. Okay. So okay, you know, yeah. Wear your sneakers. Are they worn too? I see you that, wearing that. that. <laughs> yeah. Wear your sneakers. That brown. That means you're I'm more, scared. You know, and stuff, so. I am scared you know, to wear mine. Yeah, yeah, but see, you, you money bags, you got the new one though. You got the, the I did, new release. I did. You yeah. right? I got so, the new one. So, so my old release, you know, <laughs> they they were real skimpy with the leather. Yeah, I see, ain't leather. nothing down there. I got it a whole lot. Like I got extra. Fake, yeah, it looked horrible, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah. But it was sentimental. So once uh, I finally finished, I finished school and uh, had a little bit of money. I was working for the federal government at the time, and I was like, yo. I'm about to camp out. So me and my homie okay. Taylor Terrier, I hope you're listening, bro. We camped out in front of the mall in Greenville, and uh, wow. we camped out for six hours, and uh, wow. we got them, man. Man, this was yeah. back. This was back when. This is back when they don't even do that no more. Nah, nah. They, well, they make sneakers app for it because people were yeah. wilding and fighting and robbing and stealing, and it was it just wasn't good. Uh, but that, you're right, bro. That 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 holds time of sneaker culture that's a whole nother conversation but uh man that'd be a good episode bro that would be because now i'm fighting against robots because i don't <laughs> want none of the sneaker app stuff no more because the robots done bought 120 <laughs> so real dog so real yeah, and man. so this jersey you got on talk to me what's an what's an aggie i'm trying to what's, what's an aggie just tell us what that is just just curious just curious i just want to know what is an aggie <laughs> You know, uh, historically, an Aggie is someone who majors in agriculture, but oh. uh, it has evolved over time because of my mm-hmm. illustrious University of the North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, uh, okay. uh, which is now, I think, the largest uh, public HBCU and continues to be the number one graduate of black engineers. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, so nice. I graduated from there twice, undergrad and master's. We'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, but now, you know, to be an Aggie is more of a mindset that just embodies excellence in all that you do. Mm. You know, uh, friend, we say achieving great things in everything. Uh, achieving great goals in everything. Toward a really strong-minded and powerful individual. Assemble and take over. That's what A&T stands for in my book, and uh, you know, we're going to continue to talk about it. I love it. I love but it. Thank this you, jersey was from the bookstore. It's, a, it's an HBCU <laughs> throwback. This jersey is from 1985 um, by a company called yeah. Black College Classics. Um, so I think they might have – I don't know if your college uh, had sports in 1985, but – they may have a jersey. I, I am throwing shade. 
Um, I feel it. They it's may, dark in they may have a they may have a jersey for you, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm drinking my, my my green tea out of my social justice mug. The dopest mug I've ever seen. <laughs> and my water from my Gators. I did get my PhD from the University of Florida. Go Gators! So I got love for them too. You know, always. Yeah, I love it. Um, that's where I met you, bro. That's where I met my wife. You know, and some really dope folks. Uh, but yeah, man. How about yourself? I see you with the. The tone with the with the I, I I've seen God is dope before, but I ain't seen this special limited edition yeah. right here. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm gonna actually start at the top. So top. this just a little Vans cap, but I bought this hat because it's what they call packable. I used to re- be really big in the hats. I used to wear like fitted hats like crazy. I had ev- almost every team from MLB. Shout out to my boy Corey Gillespie. He put me on caps in undergrad. But this is a packable hat, which means you can squish it, you can throw it in your thing, and it keeps its shape, keeps its form. So I like the hat. Got a little thing on the back, you know, so that's cool, you know. But uh, then down to the, the shirt. The God is Dope shirt, like you said, um, really dope organization. Love seeing their work. Uh, but this is one of the ones that they made following George Floyd's death. So you can see it's all black. I think it's the first time they made one that was monochrome and all black. Uh, but then they've got I Can't Breathe in white across it. Of course, funny enough, when I go to Publix, when I'm walking around, you know, I get a lot of eyes. And I'm always curious why I got eyes. And then I remember I got on this shirt. And uh, the only person who said something to me, man, which I always, always interested in this, only person that said something to me was um, a white lady who said, I love your shirt. And we started a conversation and she was sharing like she was um, in recovery. She was doing some really awesome things in the community. And I was just like really excited to have met her. So I like gave her some encouragement and stuff before I left. But I really appreciate her for for opening her mouth and not just looking weird. You know what I mean? Because that's again, we talked about this, like the way in which we make some of this change is through through conversation. So that was dope. Um, sneakers, man. This was again, this is a sleeper. It's a big sleeper. I, I slept on it for a while until I saw it for the low. Um, and it didn't cost me a whole lot of money, even though it's called the Air Money. So I got a little, little black with some peanut butter, a little Air Money work. Nothing crazy. So well, little, little I, I don't think those are sleepers, but okay. These, I see these, those. I see these, those. They was a remake of a 1996 sneaker, the original one that had just the air bubble back here. And then they, they put the whole air bubble down the bottom. So they called these the Air More Monies. So, you know, this just a little something. Yeah. The air more money, yeah, 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 something like that. You know, so that's not money bag. Yo, that's your name. <laughs> so for me, out, man, listen, not not being able to go outside has probably saved a ton of money. Just like cooking from home, so there is more money bags out there. That that's a good point. Now, some some and and some people really like to shop online. And and that can also drain the the pockets because then when packages are coming from everywhere, you know. So some of us are saving money, some of us are continuing to shop as though nothing changed. Whatever works, whatever well, works. Just don't spend all your money online. I'm I'm so thankful, and uh, you know, she'll hear this one day. Uh, I'm so thankful that I work from home, and uh, she still works on site. Uh, mm-hmm. They practice social distancing and things like that, mm-hmm. but. Uh, most of the packages come before she comes home. So I have a chance <laughs> to there's no like ding dong and it should look like So, you know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be having, I'll be having my sneak 
or something in the closet. <laughs> and I pull some out. It should be like, are those Man. new? I'll be like, <laughs> Man, look, your wife is me because I'd be in the house like, what's that? I ain't seen those before. Oh, this just a little. And then nah. I saw her post and I was like, wait, that's the same color, but it, I mean, it's a different, same hoodie, different color. So, oh, yeah, I got two of them. Oh, okay, cool. Hmm. Okay. This is interesting. This is information. Okay, cool, cool. And I'm drinking something green. <laughs> I'm drinking something green too, a little smoothie, um, homemade smoothie. It's got uh, spinach and berries and protein and a banana and some vanilla almond milk in it. So that's what we on this morning. I hear you, man. I, you know, for your lady, um, I apologize now for your flatulence. Um, <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be a journey. Hope you ain't doing squats today, brother. No squats today. Leg day was yesterday. Banana, spinach, chai seed, everything else. Run right through you. All right. Good stuff. Poor. Poor Health as well. Health as well, man. All right. So today's episode, bro, we we started show notes, uh, I think, Tuesday. And so much has happened since Tuesday that we've had to add in. Um, course called it historically black now what was yeah. why did we call it historically black what was our, what was our intention at on tuesday and now it's Man. like mm-hmm. well, exactly know. bro we, we we started i don't even remember where we started we were talking about oh we were testing we were like okay here's an idea here's an idea i was just firing off firing off and um then we started talking about schools we came from like so being again being from hbcus and then we were like okay cool let's just talk about the hbcu experience right right now um, and not just the experience of being on campus, but kind of like the nation's experience with historically black colleges or universities, right? So we talked a little bit about <clears throat> how it's important, like how right now the media, right? There's some talk, right? I mean, there are lots of things happening, but one of the many things in the media right now is HBCUs and funding. You know, the Beyonce uh, was really uh, important in like making sure HBCUs got a donation. We saw recently Morehouse College got a really big donation, I think, from Netflix and some other organizations, Morehouse and Spelman, I think. Um, so we've seen a lot of buzz about HBCUs. And plus, we both went to HBCUs. So we thought that was important. And then, like I said, since we started there, then it just so happens that two alumni of um, HBCUs passed recently. So I think that, that all that stuff started to roll, and we were like, okay, this makes sense. This is the right right time to talk about being historically black. That's right. That's right. I, I love it, man. And, you know, um, we, we always have to fight the fight to as advocates for HBCUs. Um, and I think, you know, with me, you know, working in corporate now, really having to understand the need to educate on, you know, even what HBCU is, what when you hear uh, what's the HBCU, what's the HWI, uh, what's a PWI, like people are like, what are all these letters and things like that? So when we talk about HBCUs, we're talking about historically black colleges and universities. Uh, and when you hear HWIs, these are historically white institutions. And, and so mm. definitely want to provide a learning opportunity uh, for people to understand the language that you're hearing, but the historical part of it. So you form an understanding of why they exist. Um, yeah. But also that the HBCU experience and our HBCUs is not a second tier education. And I think that right. that's been something we've always had to fight against. And some of it is systemic. So providing that education is so us as people of color, young people of color who are even thinking about where I'm going to school, you don't forget that you have other options. And so, 
Um, mm -hmm. Before we even dig deep into that, I know we wanted to uh, last night or yesterday, we learned about the passing of two uh, civil rights leaders who were both graduates yeah. from the HBCUs yeah. um, and, and, and John Lewis, who was he transitioned at 80 years of age, uh, who was a Sigma, uh, one of your fellow brothers um, and Reverend uh, C.T. Uh, Vivian. He was 95 years of age. He also transitioned and he is one of my alpha brothers as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Both were huge civil rights uh, advocates, uh, meant a lot to the world. So, um, there's been some parallels, man, like seeing, you know, you being Sigma, you being Alpha, yes. seeing that happen yesterday, I was like, yo, we have to continue to carry the torch. And everyone has to figure out what part they're going to play in yeah. continuing our fight towards equity. So um, uh, we, we took a couple facts, we did a little bit of research so we can provide you all with a little bit more understanding of who these men were. And mm -hmm. their their biographies are are, are huge. They have Humongous, books, man. they have documentaries. Uh, but we went to um, one of our, our one of the websites that we follow. Because of them, we can. Um, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram. And what they do, they, they provide education. So uh, especially uh, younger people can understand, like, because of them, yeah. we can. So providing exactly. that education. So we took a couple of facts from there, and we just want to go through uh, because we are all about resource sharing. But uh, did you want to talk about your brother? Your, your sick yeah, brother, uh, of John course, Lewis? man. You got, you got to start with Go Mob. You know, got to start there. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, as a, and it's really cool because right now on social media, especially you know from um, the brothers in my former chapter, Kai chapter at Morehouse, um, lots of guys have photos from John Lewis because he was in Atlanta. And they, you know, everybody's floating those photos around. And it's just amazing to see how many folks, how many lives he touched, especially in my chapter. Um, but, you know, he was an alumnus, like you mentioned, of a couple HBCUs. Uh, he went to ABC. So that's American Baptist College um, and Fisk University. Both of those, uh, that college and that university are both located here in Nashville. That's where I'm located currently. Um, and it's kind of dope because I got a chance to go to ABC's campus. Um, I, I think I told you that I got a chance to meet um, their uh, president, which was really, really cool. It was a, it was a rally for uh, a young man who was, uh, who was on death row. So they were doing some really special things. Um, not a rally, but it was a press conference. I'm sorry. Um, and then Fisk University, I've got a couple friends. One friend is a professor there that's at Fisk currently. So, again, the, the, the history in Nashville is really, really interesting. Um, he played a major role in desegregating some of the institutions that are located here, um, especially um, some of those um, uh, uh, protests that were the sit-ins at the, um, like at the bars that you see those famous photos of folks sitting at a bar. Uh, well, you know, those black folks that wouldn't get up, he's one of those folks that wouldn't get up. Uh, and that he was pivotal in desegregating uh, restaurants. Um, so that was extremely important. And, and again, really, really glad that John Lewis was here. Um, and I'm able to see relics of his work all around the city. Um, so he's also one of the founding members of the SNCC, which is an um, uh, 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 organization, I think it's called the Student, I wrote it down, um, was the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was founded at Shaw University, another HBCU, if I remember correctly. That's in North Carolina, right? It is. Um, it is. Uh -huh. um, he was also one of the original Freedom Riders, um, as well as um, was actually a, a Democrat. And I think he was um, one of the whips uh, in the Democratic Party um, uh, in the House of Representatives uh, as a significant part in fighting for racial justice and equity. So um, we see um, 
we see some of the semblances of his hard work um, here in Nashville, but like I said, especially in Atlanta, Georgia. You go there, it's hard to go anywhere without hearing about seeing John Lewis. I was in some church services where John Lewis was when I was at Morehouse. Um, and um, that man is, has been uh, pivotal to the, the kind of the state of black people. Uh, one of the many things, and you'll talk about this in a moment, man, but one of the many things that he and C.T. Vivian had in com uh, common was, of course, Dr. King. They marched together. They sat together. I mean, they were, you know, side by side when it came to uh, working with Dr. King in, in the fight for equity and civil justice. Um, so, yeah, man, that's kind of a quick, brief history. What about uh, Brother Vivian? Yeah, Brother Vivian, you know, uh, frat, like we said, you know, on one and up. First of all, servants of all, we shall transcend all. Okay, you know, okay, okay, okay. Up, you know, like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know, uh, just saying, you know, he was a he was a, a well-renowned civil rights uh, leader, activist, and minister. Um, and so a lot of people came to him for, you know, just, just leadership in, in that realm. Uh, Well-respected for the work he did on the front lines of the civil rights movement in the 1940s. Uh, but also, he was the national di the director of affiliates for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference mm. and helped organize the first sit-ins in Nashville, Tennessee, which is pretty dope. Oh. Um, well, and we, we talked, kind of spoke to her earlier. Him and John Lewis knew each other and both mm -hmm. were of, of the original Freedom Riders. So they both were beaten and arrested together. And so wow. when you talk about that unity, you know, you can, you know, you hear about the fraternities and sororities. Um, you know, we might, you know, have different colors and, and different ways of saying things, but the traditions are still the same. And it is about service. It's about public good. Absolutely. Um, it's about making the world better for everyone. It's about that equity. Um, also in, 19, yeah. in, 19, in the 1970s, he founded, uh, Brother Vivian founded the National Anti-Klan Network, an anti-racism wow. organization that focused on monitoring Ku Klux Klan activity, which wow. was because even today I'm sitting here, you know, I, I'm sure they're being monitored. I would hope that they would. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you can't wait on others to build what you think is being built to help protect you. And so what they were doing sure. was finding ways to uh, locate and identify Ku Klux Klan activity uh, for our safety, but also for uh, accountability for them uh, in, in terms of, you know, uh, any harm they might be trying to do to others. Um, and, and also in uh, 2013, uh, President Barack Obama awarded Brother Vivian uh, the highest civilian honor in the nation, uh, which was the Presidential Medal of Freedom for his yeah. work. Um, and so again, man, it's just, it, it, it's, it's beautiful to, to, to hear and, and kind of think about their legacies, to learn of their legacies, because it helps us to understand that we have more to do on our end. Uh, yeah. but as someone, as our leaders transition into our ancestors, we have to carry the responsibility of being those new leaders. Um, and so, um, I'm, I'm sure. thankful, grateful for the work that they did, but excited to know that we have everything within us and everyone who's listening and shares this, you have all of what's needed within you to create and maintain the same type of legacy uh, for the betterment of this world um, that they did. So, yeah, um, brother, I'm, I really appreciate the way you put that as our, and you know, as our leaders become our ancestors. I think that uh, we started this podcast thinking about like, how do we pay homage to Dr. King? And then the yeah. day before we record, we learned this information about CT Vivian and brother yeah. Lewis. Um, so, um, it, it is, um, in a lot of ways, the same work being done um, by them, to your point, right? It's just interesting that here we are, you know, two black doctors who, um, you know, who care a lot about the state of black America. 
And here we are recording a podcast um, using our tools that we have in 2020 um, in some similar ways as folks have been using their tools in the 1960s and 1940s. Um, and we're still fighting the same fight. Um, one thing I think it's important to say is um, that, you know, uh, that that progress is a slow process, right? And John Lewis had a really cool um, quote about this that I don't want to butcher, but he was talking about like how we have to continue this fight and this work will continue for the entirety of our lives. And it's really cool how like this man lived for 80 years and C.T. Vivian for 95 and um, how they were able to see you know, kind of before the civil rights era, during the civil rights movement, uh, and kind of post-civil rights, and and how nowadays we are still uh, fighting in a, in a different way, but fighting the same fight for humanity, for civility, for equity, equality. Um, so I think that it's just really special, right, that, that we have the privilege to be able to use a platform to talk about um, and to educate folks about some of these, these experiences that we've been having and living in order to leverage some of our um, some of our allies and um, to really make sure the change feels um, more concrete than it might have when, when we were born, when we were raised. Yeah, that's real, man. That's real. And I like what you touched on, you know, using the technology that we have in 2020 uh, to do that uh, because, you know, the, the phones that we have are video recorders, voice recorders. I mean, we don't have all of the best equipment. Uh, I mean, right now we're using Anchor to, you yep. know, cast our audio so this is straight through ear pods and speaker phones uh we're using webcams that we can also use from our phones and so uh though the need is still there for us to you know fight for social justice and equity you just see it evolve over time where the you know it, the technology changes maybe the word and the verbiage changes but the yeah. fight is still the same um and so just encouraging other people you know start that podcast start you know uh start you know write that album write that book you know, do the things that have been within you because you have talents and gifts that the world needs to hear because it helps us grow as a society, as as, as one people. Um, and so you might not get it right, just like with the intro. I'm not cutting it again and re-editing it. Let's <laughs> roll with it. As the thing is, we did it, you know. Yeah. So do it. And people will, will like that authenticity. They will yeah. like to see it being built. Uh, but the time is now. And that's the whole reason we started this podcast. The time is now. No more excuses, no more waiting to get the best cameras and this, that, and the third. Let's plug it up. Let's hit IG Live is the way it first started. And now yes. we're on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yep. uh, Facebook, Instagram, yep. Twitter. Yep. Uh, yep. Please like and subscribe. Shameless plug because it helps us be searchable uh, for yes. people who are trying to find this content. So mm -hmm. uh, shameless mm -hmm. plug as we continue to transition. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> through our conversation, but we gotta do it, man. We gotta yeah, do it. man, it's really important. I, I love that. I think so. One of the things that you and I talked about, like how we got here, involves our experiences at HBCUs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to start by, um, like, let's give a little bit, and you're you're better at this than I am. Give a give us a little bit of history about HBCUs, and then I want to talk a little bit about my like how I even got to Morehouse, which is a okay. shame. But okay. we're gonna start there, and then I want to hear some of the. <laughs> it's a shame. Okay, all right. So here's here's the thing. Uh, when when people even hear HBCUs, I think a lot who are who who just are uneducated on the topic think that somehow black folks just decided we're gonna build our own college 
and mm -hmm. and we're gonna do our own thing. Uh, that that was not the case. So you know, we're thinking about post civil war, and 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 people, uh, civilians within the country are trying to figure out ways to get educated. Um, and at that time, agriculture uh, and engineering, or, or agriculture and mechanical type uh, yeah. work, were those were the leaders. It was building with your hands and your mind. The early stage of leadership development and engineering, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, so most of your leaders were farmers, or they built the farm equipment, or they built the houses. They were construct. You know, they did a lot of things with their head in mind. Um, yeah. So at that point, Abraham Lincoln was trying to find a way to create educational opportunities for the common man to be able to afford. So uh, yeah. in 1860, uh, they passed what was called the Morrill Act, uh, 1862, my apologies. Yeah. Um, and that provided federal funds to create public land-grant institutions. And remember, land-grant, whenever you hear that, every state has a state college, right? Okay, and yeah. so these land-grant institutions were federally funded or heavily federally funded institutions so the common man could afford to go to school and learn uh, at that time, you know, agricultural, mechanical-related right. things. Yeah. So the A&M that you see, like, you know, Florida yeah, yeah, yeah. or mm -hmm. or Texas A&M, you know, like that's where the A&M, those are historical. So okay, here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we've never had to deal with racial injustice, uh, I'm shameless, you know, satire. <laughs> um, they wouldn't let people of color go. They wouldn't let us what? do that. You know, they wouldn't let us go to, you know, for, you know, all men created equal except the blacks over there. And that's literally what happened. They wouldn't let you stay. It was like, no, not on my campus, what? right? So... Uh, your black life doesn't matter. Uh, that's the way they, they approach it. All lives matter. So, oh, but not all lives could attend your <laughs> 1862 school. So I say all that. So uh, we had, uh, you know, it, it was determined uh, separate versus equal uh, mm -hmm. passed. And so now I say, well, you know, you'll, you can have your school. So they established what were called 1890 institutions. Yeah. And so these were historically black college universities. These were supposed to be the sister equivalent in terms of resources and funding mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. black people to get the same level of public education. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they never received the same level of education. And so a lot of times, though there were funds and dollars allocated to purchase the land, mm -hmm. most of the time and in most of the cases, the community, the black community and allies of the black community got together and put in their dollars or sold Crazy. their own property to, to be able to support where we built these HBCUs. And so right. HBCUs were not created because we just want to do our own thing. They right. were created because you wouldn't let us. They wouldn't mm. let us attend their institutions. So, like, if you think, take, for instance, I'm from North Carolina, right? So NC State, North Carolina right. State University, yeah, yeah. they were the 1862 uh, land-grant institution and yeah. then in 1890, North Carolina A&T, 1891 was when it was built. Uh, that's when it became uh, the sister HB, the, the sister state yeah, college yeah, yeah. for wow. blacks to attend. Wow. Now, what we found, too, when I was uh, serving as student body vice president, we ran through some documents and we're trying to still, I don't know if it's been validated yet, uh, but Dr. Judy Rashid, she was our advisor there. She was doing some research, and she thinks that the first A&T students were actually originally at NC State, but NC State wouldn't let them on campus. So they uh -huh. actually had to study and attend classes in the basement of Shaw University. And oh, so we wow. think that before 
A&T was established, Shaw University was the hub for us to be able to become an institution and to create learning. So wow. you just see spaces like this where HBCUs throughout time have always had a duty to serve. It's yeah. never been a, a, a we want more than. It's always been we will do the best that we can to, to, to serve our community and, the, uh, and, and others as well. But yeah. it's always been an ongoing fight. Um, so that's kind of the historical space there. Um, interesting enough, I have on a football jersey. We were dominating athletics because we couldn't go to their schools. Uh, we weren't allowed to integrate in terms of sports. Uh, but then you saw soon after uh, they got yeah. smart and money grab happened. And so you started to see a lot of our five-star athletes uh, mm -hmm. get recruited to the big institutions because of TV time and to be able to, you know, have more exposure is what it was sold. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting to see that we're starting to see that, no, they were sold an idea. If you have the talent, they'll find you. The same yeah, way we went to HBCUs and the places that we worked, they found us because true. we have the talent. True, um, very true. So I hope that, you know, we continue to see, like, the brother that uh, the five-star recruit had just committed to Howard. I hope My core maker, I think, is his name. Yeah. Yeah. I hope mm -hmm. we start to see Mikey Williams. He's talking about the HBC yeah. top of his list because I would look. I honestly, I'm a little selfish. I was talking to my uncle Thomas. He said, "You know what would be good if they all went to the same HBCU and go to the Final Four, win national championship. That would be kind of dope, you know." And then we were talking about. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, well, one one go here, one go there." That's you know, what I was I thinking. Mikey Williams go to A and T, but I'm like, "Oh." But if they all went to the same, you know, they're still going to do the one and done type thing. Yeah, it's true. Go uh, imagine our starting five at crazy. HBCU going to the final four. Just what that would do for all the HBC. Anyway, that's we'll true. Talk about that's true. Yeah. Wow. But just wow. so think about. Um, yeah. So that's wow. a little historical little bloop, bloop of what an HBCU okay. is. So PWI, predominantly white institution. Yeah. HWI, historically white institution. HBCU historically black, but people also mm -hmm. don't know the HBCUs are very diverse. They yes. uh, their diversity numbers are well above an average of forty three percent. So when you uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you're a white or any other you know race and ethnicity nationality, know that it's not all black at A and T and Morehouse. Like there are there's a lot of diversity there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I just think that mm -hmm. we don't talk about it enough, and we'll get more into that experience. A little bit later yeah. on, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, uh, yeah. How, how, how are you feeling about all of it? So, yeah, man. So, I always appreciate that's one thing that you and because of your experience uh, in the agricultural world and the leadership world, you and some of the other people that went to NCANT that I met at, at UF, you know, that you guys really understand that history, and that's really great to remind us all of. Um, I know that I talked a little bit about being in Nashville and coming from Atlanta, and it's kind of kind of neat that. Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, the metropolitan area, has more HBCUs in that city than any other, you know, city in the United States. Um, and some of those institutions include like Morehouse College, right? For those who don't know, Morehouse College is a school that was founded um, to educate black men specifically, right? So to date, we still um, have educated um, you know, our, our classes, I think the largest class we've had has been um, the entire institutions around 3,000 students. And um, our president has um, over and over again, these our presidents have said we want to keep it kind of this small uh, class size that way so the institution doesn't grow too big because we want to make sure it stays intimate. Um, our classes were never any more than 25 or 30 students um, and, uh, and even and much smaller than that as I got more and more into my major. I did biology and Spanish there. Um, so, um, and, 
Yeah, man, I'm fluent, bro. You know that? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, that was a funny story too. But I, um, anyway, I was doing a math. My, I was doing a math something, and I ended up doing biology as my major. I was going to do Spanish as a minor. My Spanish teacher was not having it. I was three hundred level class at that point. She was like, "You're not doing a minor. It won't do you any good." So instead of chilling your senior year, you're taking four Spanish classes per semester. So four, and then another four. I got the degree. Like knocked it out. So, um, and it was not easy. 26, 27 page paper in Spanish um, about El Campo and uh, Argentina. And I ended up doing a talk at Birmingham uh, Southern College. I think that's the name of it in Spanish. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah, that's one of, one of the things that I, I do. Um, you think you know somebody, then you find out. <laughs> I've done therapy in Spanish, man. So, you know, that's that's. You have done therapy in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, Bruh, yeah, yeah. I have not yeah. heard you say uh, Spanish <laughs> words in the years that I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know. Yeah. This is not a trick in the bag. <laughs> you know, you know, whatever. I so, didn't you know y'all talking about that, but okay. It's just... Yeah. Whatever. So, so Morehouse is cool. It's all male, about three thousand students across the street of Spelman College. Uh, that is an uh, an institution that was founded upon uh, educating Black women. So, um, really, really great relationship between Morehouse and Spelman. There's Clark Atlanta University there as well. Morehouse School of Medicine, um, ITC, the Interdenominational Theological Center. I think I got that right. That's where people get their religious degrees, um, as well as um, and some philosophical degrees, as well as, as well as uh, CAU Morehouse Spelman. Oh yeah, and then uh, Morris Brown is in that same area. That's what we call the Atlanta University Center, right? So those institutions there. Uh, I think AUC. I got them. AUC exactly. Um, and they all kind of educate in different ways, right? So Morehouse is private, Spelman is private, but Clark is public. Um, and I was had the opportunity to take classes at all of those institutions while I was at Morehouse. So that was really great. Um, so anyway, um, there are about 107 HBCUs in the nation. 56 of them are private, like I just mentioned, Morehouse, Spelman, and 51 are public. And about a quarter million uh, of the black students a quarter million black people attend uh, these HBCUs throughout the nation. Um, the state with the most HBCUs is Alabama. They've got about 16. Um, and Georgia and North Carolina both have 12. Like I mentioned, Atlanta is has the most HBCUs. But funny enough, Nashville, the second most. There are four here in Nashville. You never would have thought, man. No. But, uh, they got four. It's ABC, so the American Baptist College. Um, there is Fisk. University, there's Meharry Medical College, and there is Tennessee State University. So they have four here in this city. Uh, so it's kind of dope. Kind of dope. Yeah. Um, so I was gonna, I was gonna share with you, man, how I got to Morehouse, which is kind of, kind of whack. <laughs> like, um, so all my friends, and 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 I swear this is not, this is not a flex. I promise it's not a flex. So all my friends, they applied to all these schools in, in high school. Everybody applied to schools all over the place. Everybody applied to four, five, six schools, you know, at least. I applied to two schools, both PWIs. I had visited their campuses, and I had come home. I grew up near Hampton University, right? So I didn't want to go to Hampton. I was like, I can't go here. It's too close to home. I've been on their don't campus. Let, don't, don't let Brother Sheldon hear that. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> I know my boy Frank, you know, he's a Hampton alumnus too. So, you know, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I was, I, I just tired of Hampton. I had to get out, get, get away from home. Um, so I applied to these two PWIs. I didn't get in to either one of them. One of them had the nerve to send me two rejection letters just to let oh. me know. In case you ain't know. <laughs> don't come here. Don't, don't come. Don't, don't, don't come. Don't no you, don't come. Here. There's no place for you here. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we appreciate your application. For you. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you for the fee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they took that for sure. Um, <laughs> so then I uh, I really didn't know what I was going to do, right? I was I was smart. You know, I had a lot of extracurriculars. My, my mama had already made it clear, boy, you turn 18, you got to get out of my house, right? <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do, but you got to get out. Um, so... My guidance counselor, uh, he came to me and was like, hey, I'm with the Morehouse. Did you think about applying? And I was like, I remembered going to a tour of Morehouse College when I was younger, like maybe five years before that. And I remember when I walked into um, the King's Chapel, which is where we hold a lot of our events. Uh, and Dr. King has a uh, has a statue in the front. Um, you know, who, I remember. Also, oh, did Dr. King go to your institute? Oh, the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he was an alumnus, an esteemed alumnus of this institution. I'm talking about uh, the Morehouse College. You know, some light. Uh, so, you know, so Dr. So we were in the King's Chapel when I was about 13, 12, and they had uh, they had said something like, uh, "A Morehouse man always has a pen," and that just always struck me. Like I was like. So then they started talking a little more about how, like, when you go to an institution like Morehouse, we're going to do more than just make you, like, a worker. We're going to work on you being a man. And mm. and I remember, like, you know, as I got older, when that guidance counselor, when I was 18, had mentioned Morehouse, that's what stuck out to me. Like, so then um, I applied uh, shortly after that. They, I mean, fast turnaround. They sent a man and a woman, one from Morehouse and one from Spelman, to my house to meet my mama, to talk to me. Um, but shortly thereafter, I went ahead and applied and, uh, they gave me a scholarship and they were like, you know, we really want you to come. And within probably two weeks, three weeks turnaround, I had already you know, committed to go to Morehouse. And when I got to campus, you know, I, uh, realized that this was an institution that people had been wanting to come to their entire lives. Like many of my friends were like, they grew up four five, six years old, taking pictures at Morehouse, hoping they could someday come. Yeah. Um, so I really, uh, I know I took that. I took it for granted. I took the experience before I got there for granted. And in retrospect, it is the best decision I've ever made in my life. I mean, I am a much better man for it. Um, and my my experiences there really prepared me for the mostly white world, right? The professional world, circles that I run in. You know, these are folks that I need to have. I needed to have some type of confidence to be around and the type of confidence and an investment in me, not just, you know, from my teachers and administrators, like the conversations I would have at the lunch tables with some of these brothers that I would bump into, just like, hey, man, let's just have lunch together. Um, yeah. Really opened up my worldview and, and changed who I am as a man. So, um, you know, I'm just really grateful that I didn't get into those PWIs um, and uh, and then ended up going to the University of Florida, right, APWI, to gain mm -hmm. my master's and PhD. So, uh, yeah, thank you for not letting me into your school. <laughs> Dr. McLeod. <laughs> Dr. McLeod thanks you. <laughs> who also speaks Spanish fluently. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> 37 million pages of fluent Spanish. All right. Next time I go to Miami, you got to come with me. Hey, uh, as long, yeah. I'm, I'm Miami is not America. It's a whole different you, no, you got that right. You I'm got that right. I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm, I migrated from Florida to Texas. 
So I was mm-hmm. interested too. Culturally, uh, people think I'm Hispanic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they light think skin. I'm black. Yeah, <laughs> light skin and they got the good hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel bad, like when you know folks start speaking Spanish and I don't yeah. know any because I took mm. Japanese. Um, Oh. Took four years of Japanese at North Carolina A and T State University. Wow! Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, I did not know that. Uh, Ohio Gozaimas, Watashi uh, Wajiren. You better, you yeah, better stop cussing at me, bro. So, I don't know I'm what not, you're saying. So I'm gonna take it as disrespect. I just kept it like nah, I didn't write. I didn't <laughs> write. Take it. I didn't write a <laughs> on, on Japanese. Uh, actually, I kind of lost interest when I saw the where they. Saw black people, but it's the westernized view oh. that was a big focus there. A lot of that is getting better, but I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, yeah. So, um, North Carolina A&T, how I got there, man, it, it was very right, interesting. Right. You know, um, you know, I was at a, a brand new high school, um, South Central High School, Dirty Birds, first to fly, uh, first graduating class, and you know, we I never heard about HBCUs at school. Um, hmm. At home, my mother went to North Carolina A&T State University uh, wow. in the 1970s um, to, wow. to do theater. So she was always like, you just need to, like, see. Just, just you, you just need to go, you know. But, you know, at that time, it's like your mom is telling you something. So you think you're a grown man. You're like, okay, I, I hear you. But yeah. if it comes from somebody else, you might, or if you experience it yourself, you feel like you you made that man decision for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't even really have it on on my books. I wanted to go to Carolina. I okay. idolized Vince Carter, and he was at the University of Chapel Hill. Oh yeah, uh, studying African American studies. I so did not I was, know that they have the major. I want to do it. You know, at that time he had gone to uh, he had gone to Toronto Raptors. They were like in the playoffs in the finals. He okay, played yeah. a, a finals game, but he went back to finish his degree and graduate. And then flew oh. to the next game, right? Oh. And so I was just like, yo, this is so dope. Like, I, I they must be doing something right there. And so I, I just had, I wanted to go to Carolina. I always was a Tar Heels fan. I just wanted to do that, right? And yeah. then there was a shift, man. I was tired of being the only black person mm. in all of the class, or at least the only black male. Do you know how awkward it is to read the, 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 the journeys of Huckleberry Finn and the main black character is called Bro. Nigga Jim. Bro, I do know that feeling. I didn't want to be that too in America. Bro, <laughs> like, and, and I, I had to watch my friends, you know, say N-word and be uncomfortable. They didn't say that. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Be like, they the would fact say that N-word. I'm a student seeing this, and I feel like I'm representing my whole race. Mm-hmm. Do, I, do I flip a table over? Do I throw a chair? Do I mm. sit there? sit there am i invisible do i go limp i was tired and i was really like yo why it's not that any of my counterparts and my classmates were any smarter than any of my other friends yeah it was just you know some just didn't know to do the honors the ap or just didn't think that they could do it and they didn't see anybody else that looked like them doing it yeah um so it wasn't until you know i had started the application process i was really gone home going to Carolina mm-hmm. and they sent me a piece of mail that said you gotta come we're having minority student weekend okay and I looked at and some folks probably saw it my mom was like oh that's I'm glad yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I was looking like 
called it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Minority Student Weekend, and it, it was literally reading, like, where you'll see all the other, and I, and I, in my head, I said, all the other black kids mm-hmm. are coming for this one weekend so we can get to know each other so we can, like, mm. survive together. I was really? like, nah, man. So, like, mm. two weeks later, yeah, I had already, like, been looking at A&T as well, and I went and visited yeah, A and T, and it just felt like home. I went home and was like, "Mom, I'm sorry." And she was like, "I told you, you just gotta get there. You just gotta see. Oh. You, just, you just have oh. to experience it to see so many people of color, so many black people that look like you mm-hmm. doing it. Like they had the marching band out. They had the professors that were out answering questions. Like it felt like." An experience I had never felt. It it felt like what Wakanda looked like on Black Panther. Like it was just like yeah. this exists. Yeah, yeah. So, bro, I was done. <laughs> I didn't finish my application to Chapel Hill. I was done with all the other schools I was looking at. I went. Yeah. I was going to A and T, brother, and it was the best decision I ever made because yeah. I got to be a student. I didn't have to yeah. show up and be the only and speak on behalf of my race. I saw black mm-hmm. professors who poured into me and told me of the responsibility of what it means to 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 come from an HBCU. They also recognize that the outside world might view HBCUs ideally because of the way they've been pushed and marketed yeah. Yeah. by yeah, yeah, yeah. other institutions being lesser than. So mm-hmm. I got a better education at A&T because they said you can't leave this school and not produce because you can't make the university look bad. Ooh, There's too man. much at stake. So man. if it were if it was not for the tutelage and the mentorship of the advisors and the people and, and, and just the system of the HBCU to, to pour into you, I wouldn't have gotten my PhD. That's real. I would have just went That's for real. the money grab. I would I have my undergrad, I have my masters. My advisor, the great Dr. Austin. Uh, in Carver Hall, he was like, you know, if you have it, you have to hold the responsibility of going to get it based off of the gifts that you have. You yeah. will get your PhD because you have all the tools that you need. Yeah. Um, and so that you kind of don't have a choice. He was yeah. right. And yeah. uh, that's what got me to, to the University of Florida. And he said, you know, you want to diversify your education. You know, so it's good to have this experience and have another experience. So you can speak yeah. to both. But yeah. this, I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm grateful for the experience of, of, of North Carolina A&T because I don't know if I went to the University of Florida first, would I have kept going to get my PhD? Good would point. I just undergrad and bounce? But mm-hmm. there was a greater duty, a, a duty of service that our HBCUs teach us that mm-hmm. the expectation is if you have those talents, if you have those gifts to give, you yeah. give them. You give them and you don't lose by giving them. So, thank you, Pride. That's dope, bro. Speaking of HBCUs, yeah. Um, didn't Megan Stallion go to HBCU? I knew you was going to bring up Megan Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, asking for a reason. <laughs> she, I'm just asking. She, she's on her second. Okay. So the first one, um, she was at uh, Prairie View. Right. And apparently there was a, a twerking video scandal. Scandal. And, scandal. Uh, scandalous. I did say, you know, I mean, she did mention it, it is hot in Houston uh, or in that, 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 that area wherever, you know, um, she was twerking. She's now at Texas Southern. She's doing okay. online learning um, and not to, 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 you know, nothing, you know, against Texas. It's not A&T in my opinion, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but <laughs> I forgot I'm in Texas. I got I got I got to be careful what I'm talking. Um, I love yeah. it. She's at Texas Southern. Uh, I think she's okay. doing online learning now. She was doing some in class sessions. So yeah, she's yeah. she's currently an HBCU student right now. So commend her for that. I think I know oh. where it's going because uh, some some ratchetness has happened this past week. Yeah, I was <clears throat> just want to just check in. You know. Um, you know, uh, then Tori, who who shot her? That's all I want to know. Who shot her? She was shot, right? Let's start there. She was shot. In the foot. Shot in the foot. She's okay. okay. She's okay. She's but alive she, and well. She, she did tweet, you know, she is, she's traumatized. Okay. Uh, and I can understand that. Uh, okay. So apparently she was in, you know, Hollywood Hills. Um, according to IG Live prior to, she was okay, with Tory yeah. Lanez, uh, yeah. Canadian rapper, and Canadian uh, rapper. I, and I think Kylie Jenner was there, you know. Okay. Tory Lanez the guy that got the hair plug thing in the top, right? He got the hair yeah. hair did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He ain't okay. been broken in a minute. I don't know if you seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, right, right, right. He, he, he just gone independent. Looked like he was on a wave. He was riding a, a, a wave. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I don't. I, if if what has happened, they, they, mm-hmm. supposedly she's been she was she was shot, and they're looking to see if it was more of a dis- domestic assault versus domestic. Uh, right. So we're still waiting for more details. Okay. But if okay. Tory Lane shot Meg the Stallion, let's hope not, bruh. Let's what hope not. What the world are we doing? Well, I ain't, I, ain't, I don't put myself with we. That's that's ignorant. That ain't got <laughs> what in the world are they doing, <laughs> Bruh. Bruh. But I, yeah. I, so naturally, I found myself making jokes because <laughs> it's like what? Like it's so. It doesn't make any sense. Like y'all are right. y'all are y'all are riding this wave. Like how right. does stupid stuff like this happen? And then I was like, but you know, I'm not supposed to laugh. And then you right. brought up a real point. Help mm-hmm. me to understand how to process through this. Yeah, yeah. I was I think what I was saying was, you know, that <clears throat> like so 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 jokes are important, right? Um if and this is why uh, I have a really close friend, Alberto Ortega. And he and I talk about comedy all the time. He's a, a professor, I think, in economics um, currently. And, um, you know, all we do is talk about stupid stuff in comedy because we, we have to balance the gravity with the levity. You know, like trying to find some ways to for things not to be so heavy. So once I figured out that Megan Stallion was okay and that she I got shot and that she's alive and well, everything's cool... <clears throat> And the same comment we made in the last podcast, right, to, to find some ways to cope with the stress that's happening right now. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like, the, the coping can look real different, right? It can look real different. In fact, I was talking to somebody yesterday about uh, Dave Chappelle and his recent um, 8 minutes and 46 seconds, I think, was the name of the special, right, that was on Netflix most recently. And uh, and Chappelle is normally a guy who we think of as hilarious, you know, always making us laugh, saying silly, funny stuff. Um, but this was dark, right? This yeah. was really, really dark, and, and it really involved uh, a lot about George Floyd. Like I talked about the shirt earlier, a lot about George Floyd and other people who have died. But I thought about how... 
uh, he's using his platform, right? He is coping in the way he knows how to cope, right? He is a comedian. People are expecting to laugh. And his decision was, this is how I'm coping right now. So y'all going to get that work, right? And so sometimes, you know, sometimes only thing I care about when it comes to coping is that you're finding a healthy balance between, you know, the things that are important to you, like, and also the things that would be able to kind of like, create some sense of safety and some some like some sense you know what i mean things that matter to me as opposed to like may harm somebody else but as long as you're doing things i always feel like in moderation but i mean you know moderation can look different for different people finding ways to cope with um with the stress and the heaviness and the quarantine and the like you know the working at home and all that stuff sometimes that involves like media you know, sometimes it involves social media. Sometimes it involves watching TV and laughing. I, I got a show I love to watch. It's real stupid, but it's, an, it's important to me. It helps me stay alive, right? It helps me cope. Yeah. So, so laugh, laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> laugh. Laugh, but also, like you said, that balance, man. Because, like, the memes have been what I have laughed at. It's like, man, like, y'all are really creative, you know? Uh <laughs> 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 these, these means, but you know, we 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 find, you hit on the point, man. We 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 laugh through the pain in, in a lot yeah. of situations, and uh, the but the key is to remember to not forget about why it's painful, or to you know that to, to keep to keep yeah. that focus on the balance. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure we could talk about the human side of us, like uh, mm. a natural, you know, knee jerk. It might not even be. It's, it's it's not the right reaction, but it was the authentic action to talk about, and then to delve deeper into the responsibility that we have to talk a little bit more. Um, and I think that I really wanted to to, to express too. You know, on this podcast, we do our, our best job to honor women, honor our our LGBTQ folks, our Black and Brown people, and our white friends and family as well. Uh, we we try to honor everyone, and so uh, she did mention. And one of her tweets, man, you know, she she she's been taken aback watching people kind of laugh at her trauma, mm-hmm. and she's like really traumatized and going through it right now. Um, and she mentioned like black women uh, having to always, you know, kind of be disrespected in a way. Yeah. So I wanted to bring it to light because I think that's a part of balance that we have. You know, why do do would we do the same thing? And this mm. is a uh, this mm. is a you know not necessarily something we have to answer on a podcast for each other. Yeah, but just yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, thinking about culturally, like, would we laugh at someone else if the role changed? If it was, you know, I right. would think, I would hope so. But you have to take the time to self reflect and evaluate. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, it, I, I'm for one. We knew she was okay, and we knew yeah. that you know. Physically, but not mentally. I mean, of course, right, you know, right, right, right. but also recognize, yeah, we have to be held accountable to make sure we're thinking about how are we protecting the most marginalized folks. And right now, I think it is the black woman. Black women. You know? black and women. We appreciate you all for the constant work mm-hmm. and the way you support us as black men. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's just important for us to mention that and then to kind of drive home that, you know, for Meg, we hope that you're okay. If Tori indeed was the shooter, uh, done, done, bro, done. No respect. Um, I don't. Uh, no respect at all. Well, I mean, of course, you know, more information as it comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perspective in terms of uh, if he yeah. had anything to do with that. Yeah, that's all. Period. I won't even let that. Like but that's all. Yeah. Is, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But if it was like an accidental thing, right, and right, right. Like if it was an accident with no intention to mm-hmm. like even point or harm her, like it was right, like, he oh, dropped it, weird, right, something like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. But uh, yeah, we got to hold our, our our brothers accountable. We got to oh, hold them accountable the same way. So that's real, bro. That's real. Yeah. So we can laugh at the beginning, but we gotta talk about the the weight and the seriousness. Well, exactly the implications, man, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man. So um, BLM update. Got to make sure to give folks some folks some of that information. Um, you know, we usually try to give folks an update on like what have the changes been, um, in the past since our last episode, and we haven't seen enough change. You know, no. like there's you know we've seen you know. Like so our social media feeds have changed, right? In, for, for the for the worse, right? We haven't seen enough uh, kind of continued conversation around oppression of Black people. Specifically, uh, Breonna Taylor's death is the one that continues to stay at the forefront of my mind. Um, you know, we have not seen the arrest for the the murderers of Breonna Taylor, um, and I know the justice system is a slow one, uh, but it doesn't seem so slow for certain people. Um, you know, if you're a Black man in these streets. You're a black woman in these streets. If you're a black woman in your home, it seems as though uh, justice can be served. Justice, quote unquote. Um, but there seems to be some problems. Again, the protesters, we saw like people like Yandy and some of the other um, celebrities that were protesting. Yeah. Exactly. Why being Corday? Portia. I think Portia was there as well. Um, and then to see them get arrested so quickly, why are these murderers still walking around? That's, that's, and, that's And charged with felonies, bro. A felony, right. A felony, you get a felony, it's over, bro. Like, but they know that, so, and that's like and this is what we got to talk about: the systemic oppression. There, if you know that felonies and those types of things disproportionately affect marginalized mm-hmm. people, and mm-hmm. it was black and white allies, yeah. like it, it was it a was, diverse group. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, like it, this, this yeah, it's stuff, a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Well, it's a mess. It 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 is it is it is the 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 epitome of gaslighting black folks right you're trying to make these you're trying to make us as black people think we crazy because we are protesting because we are using the platforms that we have because we there, there was a post i saw recently about um there was some god i can't remember where what city this was in but there were there was a governor mayor some some u.s official where there was a group of um, middle-aged white men who showed up to their house on their front lawn, st- stood on their porches. Ha- they were fully armed, demanding justice. Um, mm. These men were asked to leave. Um, and then you get a group of black and white folks sitting in the grass, um, protesting, again, like I said, these celebrities, Robbie and Corday, Portia Williams, all of them uh, there. And then these folks are all arrested. 87, I think, was the number. All arrested. And then charged with felonies. Felonies. Um, not armed. Um, the only thing that was damaged there was the grass, they said, if anything. Um, where the windows were broken and the other experience with the middle-aged white men. I'm sorry, but this, this nation um, was created for the success and support of white men. And because of that, it, we see the relics of that all the time. Situations like this. Um, so even when, even demanding justice for someone who was murdered, right? So post, so we're not even we're not even trying to save the life of Breonna Taylor at this point. We're just trying to get justice, right? That's it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you 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 you're just so spot on with it, man. It's like 
they will literally have you feeling like you're crazy for asking for justice. Right. Right. Like, like you don't you deserve know. justice. You crazy. Bro. Stop then, stop destroying buildings. Yes. And I, I you know, I've also seen, you know, responses. Uh well what about black on black crime? Oh my god. Listen. Boy, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> First off, crime is relative. There's no such thing as black on black crime. If you crime yeah. is crime. So it's crime. based off of who lives around you and who's around you at the time. You know, that that's just the way that it is. Right. Uh but also people are working on that too. You can do more than one. Like you can you can you have organizations that are in the streets that are protesting and marching and doing community based uh activities to continue to, to build that bridge uh for you know the lowering of crime in yes. uh communities that have very few resources. Right. Uh but also justice is still being served at a much higher percentage for yeah. crime than it is for uh uh what, what do you call it? Some immunity that we're trying to ask people to, uh, to, to take away. Um dip, diplomatic um, it's, it's close to diplomatic immunity. It's it's like, it's, this is gonna bother me. Because <laughs> uh, it's very important because they've been talking about it with Joe Biden. Um we gotta make sure we get it right for our for our folks. Uh qualified immunity? Qualified immunity. So police officers you can qualified immunity allows you to almost in a sense make a mistake and go to yeah. the wrong house yeah. and kill somebody and can't really get the same level of charges as if a normal person outside normal of the police person. or um, someone in that position of power um, did the same crime. So uh, qualified immunity is one of the big things that we've been pushing and people have been pushing uh, Biden and Trump to talk about and discuss as we talk about equity. Um, but yeah, man, uh, Black Lives People Matter. Fighting. They matter. They always matter. They always have mattered. Always do. Um, no one else's life can matter until Black Lives Matter. You got that right. Well, all um, lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter. So technically, all lives can't matter yet. Um, yeah. Okay. Because you're not acknowledging the fact that Black Lives Matter and have not been acknowledged. Speaking of Black Lives, you're- Keisha. Keisha, Keisha, Keisha. Keisha, you know. Keisha Bottoms. Keisha, uh, Keisha Bottoms, who the one that's the, the the mayor of Atlanta. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Brian Kemp need to stop. That's all I'm gonna say. Brian Kemp need to stop. You know he has sued the city of Atlanta, aka Keisha, because she wants to mandate the wearing of masks in the city where there's this huge explosion of COVID. So he, as the governor, says that you cannot do that at the city level. She, in fact, quoted quite a few cities in, in Georgia that had already made these mandates, Savannah, Georgia being one of them. And he, what he said was, well, what she said was, if these states have, cities have already had this in place, why are you now suing Atlanta, Georgia for doing this, for, putting, for asking folks to mandatorily wear masks and to be able to enforce it? So he big mad. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand. I, I, it's it's more to the story. I don't know. I don't know what the more is, but it's got. It's number one. She a black woman. Let's start there, right? right? This goes back right. to your point earlier about Megan Thee Stallion. Us not protecting our black women. Number two, mm-hmm. there's got to be some history, right? I mean, Kemp. He might feel intimidated. I don't know what the situation is, but all I know is which um, happens, which does happen, right? And we there's the whole stop being intimidated by strong black women, strong black anything, right? Absolutely. 
That's true. Because uh-huh. you know, you get it at work. I know I get it at work, and I know our black women get it for sure, right? Um, mm-hmm. This this fear that if black people are powerful, then that 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 somehow uh, disempowers me, right? So again, back to white fragility. But later for that, um, your boy Brian. He was like, okay, well, no, you can't mandate masks. Keisha was like, we are going to mandate masks because we want to be safe. Boom, he's going to sue her. So now we got to figure out what to do. And she made a good point about, well, that might be a really bad use of taxpayers' money. Um, Would be, yeah. Well, you know, he probably, you know, when I hear the word suing, I think of a Cheeto that uh, has a really (laughs) high office. uh, I mean, probably pulling those from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I don't want to jump too far. I just want to say this because this was pissing me off when I was uh, walking around early this morning about the whole Lady A, Lady Antebellum, where the group Lady Antebellum was trying to change their name, decided they were going to change it to Lady A in support of Black Lives Matter. But as they did that and got rid of the Antebellum, there's a black woman who's had the name at Lady A for a very long time, and Lady A. Tabellum is now trying to sue this lady A, the black lady who was in blues, I think, either either blues, jazz, um, one of these, you know, one of our genres. Let's put it that way. And they're trying to sue her for the name. But this is how they support Black Lives Matter. All right. Um, you know, oh, I just googled Lady A. She pops up first. Ah, looks like she's been here. She's been here. She's been here. She looks older too. She don't she, like she, she, you know, she's sixty-two years of age. She ain't hurt nobody. No. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait a minute. Oh no, that's Lady Antebell. Oh, they've already given Lady A the Wikipedia. Mm. Clicks. Interesting. Mm. Well, I'll be. She's used it since 1987. Give that lady a name. Leave that lady alone. She has used it for 33 years. Leave that lady alone. Leave her alone and and stop making Black Lives Matter trendy. Like, this is not a trend. If you really say Black Lives Matter, it talks about, like, why, why abbreviate with the A? Become something completely different. Thank because you. A is short for antebellum, and if what that's like, that's like that's like look that's like taking the Confederate flag and putting it in the top left corner of the of the state flag <laughs> and being like, well, it ain't big, man. You it ain't big. Man. That's that's a good point. Like that's a good what? point. That's a good point. Nah, nah. Take all that. Change your whole name. Put a whole different alphabet. No, no lady. Be lady B. I don't know. Lady, oh, I was thinking lady what? lady B L M. Ooh. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Make sure they give you fifteen percent, brother. I need I need my coins. <laughs> yeah. right, I got I got a question. I know we uh this is not in our show notes, but uh kind of it's it's out of the blue. Man, what right. you been listening to, man? What what what's what's in your iPod right now? Or no, your iPhone because everything is connected. Man, I am. I'm ashamed of some of the stuff I'm listening to because don't I'm be listening. Okay, don't I, be I, I don't be ashamed. Then. Okay, so I'm <laughs> right now. I, I happen not to be listening to Lady Antebellum. That's not really? what I'm listening to. Nope. I just happen. That's just I'm skipping that currently. I, I'll give it some time to settle down. Uh, but what I'm what I'm bumping right now, man, is T Grizzly's last album is going hard right now. 
I mean, the intro. I can't stop spending the intro when I'm in the gym. I mean, that is a problem. Okay. Um, All right. I was bumping XXX's last album. I like that one. That was pretty good. That's kind of smooth to go. Um, okay. And rest in peace, silly. Rest in peace. Definitely appreciate that. Lil Wayne put out a little like workout mixtape, little small EP. He got a couple like couple tracks on about five six tracks. That's pretty good. Um, Lil Wayne put out a workout mixtape. Yeah, it's like it's like five tracks. I think one of them we've heard before, but like the other four. Then he got like a track with like Doja Cat and stuff like that. It's just a little little something to do together. It's cool. It's it's real low key. Um, and and let me think. Oh, uh, is it Tiana Taylor? I think she just put out a, a project that was pretty good. She did. She mm-hmm. did. Very, very good. And uh, oh, actually, my homeboy just put me on the Colors uh, performance from Leanne Lahavis. La Love Leanne Lahavis. Uh, she's a great R&B musician. Um, uh, I love her music. She's great acoustic. I mean, just really, really special. Um, and uh, I think that's that's kind of where I am right now. A little bit of Leanne, a little bit of a little bit of rap, uh, okay. and of course, Rod Wave's last album. I'm on that pretty hard. That's that's pretty pretty cool. Okay. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. you listen to? Man, I, I I've, so this week has been a little different, man. I've been I've been really in like the a modern R&B bag. I don't even, mm. like, like, I've been, you know, I picked up my saxophone last weekend. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it might have been inspired uh, from Masego, you know, very talented uh, saxophonist, yeah. uh, performer, uh, featured on a lot of really good songs, like Ari Lennox, he got some songs with FKJ. Um, okay. Man, dude is just super talented, mm. and uh, that went, I went down a rabbit hole from listening to some of him to listening to Sir and some, you know, some, okay. some Sir early EPs. Bro, right. this has been, you know, listening to Ari Lennox. Uh, but yeah, really cool. in mellow bag, like really, like mm-hmm. really appreciating and division. OVO sounds oh, division. Yeah. Oh, bro, yeah. bro, they've been killing. So I just been very excited to, to know that, you know, for a moment, you know, we had talked about Neo Soul R&B, not necessarily yeah. the wave right now. We're right. seeing a huge resurgence of that talent, and I just think that right now in this bubble, I'm getting to explore so many different sounds uh, of quality music that just sounds good in the house. I'm in the yeah. house. I need the vibrations to be in the house. You know, <laughs> now, next week, actually today, when I uh, you know get back to closing my 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 rings on my okay. on my watch, I'll, I'll be looking for you. Show. I'm definitely gonna throw in that T Grizzly and uh, go for it. Ace Hood. Ace Hood is my album. was hard. That album hard. The new one hard, right. boy. Mr. Hood, you know, mm-hmm. uh, congratulations to him. Just got married to Sheila. Yeah. Um, dope, dope, dope. Bro, so yeah, the Ace Hood mm-hmm. been heavy rotation for me, man. Oh, His yeah. old stuff, you know, Trust the Process 1 and 2, bro. Oh, yeah. 2 so, undefeated. Like, the, the mindset, just to be able to go but get some of that positive hip-hop into you. So if y'all looking for somebody that gives you that positivity, not necessarily like you know, bang bang, shoot him up all the time. Right, uh, X Hood is a good guy for that. Um, nice. I nice. think with every album, he's getting more and more intentional of the healthy mindset, mind state, mm-hmm. but also execution of like that. That he, you need that internal voice to be like, go get it. You can do it. That's Motivate. True. Like that's, that's true. That's, that's true. my rotations, man. Yeah, man. For those who need the bang bang, shoot him up. I'm saying stick with T Grizzly. Cause uh, he uh, he definitely I was telling my girl I was like man like I feel bad because you know these ain't the most positive experiences 
But I resonate with some of this stuff, man, and it helps me yeah. push. Yeah. You <laughs> push your weight up your chest. I need somebody to come man, in my I need, I need you to man, shoot me up out of here. Yes. <laughs> now, any Lil Wayne mixtape, boy, mm. you talk. Don't, don't let me get on. Don't, I, man, cardio with Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so Grab we might it. have to start a music podcast too. But uh That'd man, before we wrap this thing up, I think we've uh, definitely done our, our full <laughs> over an hour session. So we're gonna break this up into two parts. Uh, yeah, yeah. IG. Uh, but uh anything else we before we start to head up out of here, man, enjoy our Saturday with our, our special folks. No, no, I mean I just want folks to know they can find us on IG, they can find us on Facebook, they can find us on YouTube, they can yes. find us on Spotify, they can mm-hmm. find us on Apple Podcasts at mm-hmm. what? Where they find us at? Quarantine Snacks Podcast. All the above. Quarantine Snacks Podcast. On Twitter, you can find us at... DQSP. Dope. So, Jaren, tell us why it's important that folks visit the podcast and they give us some likes and some subscribes. Why does that matter? It's so important for y'all to like and subscribe because, you know, the more you do that and provide that to those services, it makes our content more searchable. Um, and also gets us to pages where people who are looking for this type of content, they're able to find us. So right yeah. now, it's like we're in competition with those who have millions of followers and subscribers just mm. to get our face, just get our icon listed as one of the topics or one of the content creators you need to listen to. Um, yeah. So it might seem like we're, we're bugging you about the likings, likes and subscriptions. But if you're enjoying the content, it doesn't hurt you, but it really helps us to give you more content and for us to grow our following so we can continue to do things like get a new mic. Get better webcams. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe video production. We're doing all of this in-house. So, you know, right. that's what we're doing. So please like and subscribe and share. We don't want it to just be us. You know, we know there's some stuff in here that people can build and grow from. So, sure. you know, if you got anything from this, share with somebody who might enjoy it as well. So, Thanks, man. It. Last thing I add to that is that I have been having, I meant to tell you this the other day, I've gotten some of the best feedback about our show, man. I mean, I've gotten folks saying that they really enjoy what we're doing, that it's really been pushing them and making them think differently. I've got some friends who are trying to connect us with some brand managers and stuff like that because they really want to see us grow. Um, I've got um, some folks like uh, uh, Jason Dempsey and Jack Dempsey, man. He's putting those beats. I don't know you've seen what I was sending to you. So, like, man, straight heat, but he's really enjoying the content. Um, I mean, I everybody, piece, man. man, I mean, tell me about it. And I don't know if you know, but the 112 track he did, Slim came back and commented on the photo. Oh. He tagged Slim, I tagged Slim, Slim commented. That's <laughs> so, like, That's crazy. Fire. So, big ups to Jack Dempsey, man. Um, but, yeah, man, like, I've been getting a lot of feedback from folks. And what I just tell folks is, like, thank you for sharing that with me. Go back to the post and share it there for us. Let us know what you're thinking in some comments somewhere, if it's IG, if it's YouTube, what have you. Share that stuff so that the world can see it and so that we can have that feedback to, to provide as we're trying to grow you know, what we're doing here. So, um, so, yeah, man, we're getting great feedback. People are loving what we're doing. They love who we are. Uh, it seems like, you know, some folks are really enjoying two doctors talking about different experiences in life or their experiences uh, in their own life, kind of managing kind of society and also managing how to become a professional and, and what we do with our names and with our platforms as we as we've been giving them uh, kind of stewarding that stuff in a, in a responsible way. I love it, man. man I appreciate yeah. you, man. I appreciate our brotherhood, our friendship. Um, you know, this is the highlight of my Saturdays. Now we kind of switch what days we did it. We should do it on Fridays at the end of the yeah. week. But yeah, we yeah. want to make sure we use that time to kind of continue to pour back in our cup 
And Saturday, there's no better way for me to be able to start my weekend off right and feel like mm-hmm. our check-in. So you're witnessing our personal check-ins. We have these conversations naturally just on the phone, just the two of us. So mm-hmm. we're trying to get that to the world as authentic as possible for us to still maintain our jobs. Yeah, bro. <laughs> man, I appreciate you as well, man. This is good. Um, I, I really enjoyed our work today, man. I'm hopeful that folks who have who went to HBCUs will say something in the comments. Shout out to HBCU if you went or the one you wanted to go to. Uh, yep. We'd be happy to hear that stuff, man. Share um, it with people who are thinking about going to college right now. Mm. And let's, we're a resource. We can send us questions if there are things that people may have. We might build this out where you know we talk more about the experience. Uh, for those who are thinking or considering going to HBCUs, uh, we also know a lot of folks who graduated from so specifically majors. Let us know; we might be able to connect them with someone for mentors. Oh yeah! Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm be on the lookout too, man. I'm starting to create some uh, live mighty content for student success. Um, so um, that's coming too, bro. So oh, looking oh. forward, to it, brother. All right, <laughs> oh, man. Brother. All right, all right, man. Well, you know, I'll see you next time. I'll probably talk to you before then. All right, sounds good, man. And thank you all, all right, for listening. All thank right, keep you. Keep snacking. Keep snacking. Peace. Peace. <laughs>